The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Hello, I'm Kimberly King, and welcome to the Mother's Market Podcast, a show dedicated to the truth, beauty, and goodness of the human condition. On today's show, eating healthy is a must to keep your body working to its potential, and it's sometimes hard to find the time to cook. So listen close and find out how to make a healthy meal and connect with your loved ones. Plus, later we'll tell you what's going on around town and what's new at Mother's Market. But first up, Megan Rowe is a registered dietitian with a background in nutritional education. Uh, Megan has worked with a variety of populations in school, outpatient, and wellness settings. She also acts as an adjunct professor for Cal Poly Pomona, teaching undergraduate nutrition courses. Megan has a passion for teaching and her clients how to create meals that they love within the parameters of their dietary needs in order to help them reach optimal wellness. She currently works at St. Jude Wellness Center, where she runs the weight loss program, coaches clients with dietary restrictions, leads healthy grocery store tours, and teaches a course on inflammatory eating entitled The Nutrition Prescription. And we welcome her to the Mother's Market Podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Why don't you fill our audience in a little bit on your mission and your work before we get to the show's topic? Yeah, my overall mission is just to get people eating and cooking real food. That's that's it. Because we can always adapt a diet to be specifically for your needs, depending on what your health conditions are. But if you're not eating real food to begin with, then you're you're behind. Yeah. So that's my mission, just get you excited and not have people overwhelmed about about eating and cooking. I love that. I really, I've told you, I think last time I talked to you, I'm not a big fan of cooking. <laughs> I like to bake, but I need to learn. I, That's a form okay. of cooking. That's yeah, okay. <laughs> it is. But it's, uh, no, it's good. And I love that you do these grocery store tours too, because, you know, not everybody knows all the tricks of the trade. And when They're you're fun. teaching, you know, where everything is. So I think you've really got a good knack there. Uh, but today we are talking about real food and mm -hmm. cooking the effect on our physical and mental health. And mm -hmm. so can you tell me a little bit about what you actually mean by what is real food? Yeah, real food is just the as close as to the original source as possible. So the, the when you look at a food, can you tell me where it came from? Mm. And if so, it's probably not super processed. But if you're kind of like, oh, like a sausage, I don't really know what animal it came from or what part. That's a pretty processed food. If it's something along the lines of a Cheeto and something where you don't even know, you couldn't even name me probably the ingredient, then that's ultra processed or food. Mac so that's and actually something in a box. Yeah. <laughs> That's not it. There's actually three different categories now is real food, processed food, and then ultra processed food. So Okay. Yeah. So you are. Okay. This is good. Is there really a difference in how our bodies use real food versus ultra or processed foods? There actually is. And it's, it's been theorized for a long time. It kind of makes sense if you think of our body as the age old analogy of a car. If you're putting the wrong types of fuel in there, it's not just gas. It's water or apple juice, that car is not going to run as well. We're supposed to run on certain types of fuel. So the more processed a food is, the less we're able to digest those foods. But now there's actually research behind that. Um, and it was like early 2000s, they did some studies on rats where they gave them raw meat and raw potatoes, and then they gave them cooked meat and cooked potatoes. And they actually did digest the raw foods even better than the cooked, simply because they were less processed and the body had their bodies had to work to digest them because their, their bodies are machines. Um, so then they replicated that with humans, and they had people eat whole grain homemade bread with real cheese versus like basically Wonder Bread and Kraft Singles. So still two 
forms of processed food, but one being processed, one being ultra processed. And they ended up digesting twice as much, burning twice as much energy with the, pro- the real food meal. Wow. So that we're, we're seeing you're actually burning. Your body wants to work. It wants to digest. And again, with the car analogy, if your car is sitting in the driveway and not being used, it's going to start breaking down. So we're supposed to break down our food and digest it. And ultra-processed foods, that work is done for us. So are you saying that based on everything, it seems like we need to be eating raw foods? Not necessarily. And that's actually my first thought when I read that rat study was, oh, so we can't even cook things. Um, But that's not quite it. It's more of breaking that food down in a way where it's super processed. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you take tomatoes, for an example, even if you cook the tomato, yes, you're processing it a little bit. And maybe you're not having to digest that cooked tomato quite as much as the raw. But now you're releasing all these great things like lycopene by cooking it. So you get a lot of good benefits in cooking and in raw. But it's where we start completely shifting that food in a chemical way into processed where then that's the digestive problem. Okay. And that's true. I mean, I think anything like you, you cook it out of, you want to keep it in there, all the vitamins. Right. How can we ensure a healthy gut and then uh, properly digest our foods? Yeah. So that, that's the main goal is making sure that our machine, our car is functioning appropriately, right? So we can actually digest these foods. So it's kind of a two-part question. One being making sure we have a healthy gut and that is eating real food. If you are supplying real foods to your body, you'll have all these raw enzymes and live things that are going in there. Kind of like you have little worker bees in there. Those are our probiotics. We want to eat lots of foods that have those live enzymes in them and fermented foods so that we have lots of probiotics. But the other piece is making sure that we have appropriate digestion. And then we have to make sure that we're instigating all the phases of digestion, of which there are three. So, this is where you come in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know this sounds. Um, you know, and, and we hear about probiotics and everything. Mm-hmm. So, like, let take me through. Um, we're at lunchtime right now. So, a salad. What mm-hmm. would there's no really probiotics on a salad or what would that look like? Right. Unless you're having some sauerkraut or something, then there's not going to be actual live probiotics on that salad, but there's a ton of prebiotics and prebiotics are the instigators that feed the probiotics. So prebiotics are basically fiber. Okay. So every single item in that raw salad is going to provide food to the bacteria in your gut. So you're helping them to thrive, even though you're not actually eating a probiotic at the time. So when you work with, um, when you work with your clients, uh, and I'm sure they're all types and ages and everything else. What is, um, and I, it's probably a tough question to ask you, like, what is your perfect client? But do you, mm-hmm. do they come to you for all reasons, weight loss or getting healthy or? Yeah, the, they do. Everything? They come from across, across the, the spectrum. So we get just basic weight loss. But I also, oddly enough, I get a lot of clients who are fairly healthy, but they want to be more proactive in being healthier, or maybe their parent just got diagnosed with something or their sibling. And so they really want to find out, Hey, I I know that eating junk food Mm -hmm. is not good for me, but this is what I'm doing now. And even though I'm healthy, I want to shift that. So I'm getting more and more clientele probably in this past year of let me help me cook. Help me figure out how to start digesting food. So. And that and that's something huge too. I, I that has been on, on a lot on our minds too. I mean, the older we get, and um, you know, I, I've talked about a lot on the show. My mom has Alzheimer's. My father passed from pancreatic cancer, mm-hmm. and I feel like, oh my gosh, okay, I should be eating really healthy right now. Yeah. Um, and sugar is you know horrible for us. Mm-hmm. I know this. Um, and my brothers and I talk a lot about it that we should just get it out of our 
mm-hmm. our diet. But the road to this, what does that road map look like? Right. You know? And it's, it's, it's starting to cook. I mean, it's starting to just experiment with foods in your kitchen. And maybe that means adding sugar to the foods you're cooking. And so and when you mention the grocery tours, I always point out the yogurt mm. um, because you can have, there's honey yogurt and then there's plain yogurt. And the honey yogurt usually has about six to seven teaspoons of honey added in. You could just add a teaspoon of honey yourself at home and it would probably taste just as good and be a honey yogurt. So it's not that we can never add these things that give flavor it's but it's adding it yourself and learning how to do that in the kitchen and also looking at the ingredients and yes. knowing what those tricks are too yes, right because, exactly yeah and just teaching us for that mm-hmm. what would you what would your um advice be for somebody that like myself that doesn't necessarily love cooking but mm-hmm. that I want to learn to uh, like a recipe to mm-hmm. start off and say okay what's a good go-to recipe but I also have a family yeah. and they're probably like okay I'm a meat and potatoes my husband's a meat and potatoes mm-hmm. kind of a guy but I want to make sure ever to make everybody happy is there a recipe that you can yeah, there's so many. <laughs> Bring it on. Probably my, my favorite example um, it, that's just so easy is a coconut chicken over slaw. Ooh. Because you good. can literally go to the store and buy a bag of pre-chopped slaw um, from that's made of cabbage and carrots, and you don't even have to do any cooking. And before you go to work in the morning, you soak that in some rice vinegar and soy sauce. And so you let that sit. It kind of gets soft. It infuses all those flavors. And also before you go to work, you put your chicken breast and coconut milk in the crock pot mm. and let it simmer all day long. And then you get home, and you put that yummy, creamy chicken on top of the slaw, and your dinner is done. Wow. And you didn't really have to do much actual cooking. That's the kind of stuff I love. But you have the cooking prep going on and you're having real food. And you come home and it already smells like, oh, I've been flaming away all day. And yes. yes. And you <laughs> nailed it. You nailed that, that whole next topic that I wanted to talk about, which was phases of digestion. Mm. Um, so we actually have three different phases of digestion and most people know the, the last two without even knowing that you know it. Um, and that's mechanical and chemical. So our, the, the mechanical phase is chewing. Mm-hmm. You're breaking it down. You're parasitic which is the the kind of churning of the stomach and then the chemical is all the enzymes and once things get into your stomach and the acid but no one really thinks about the first phase and that's the cephalic phase and that's your sensory phase Mm. so that is all of the digestive processes that's happening really before you actually eat and my best example of this is citrus and if you were to close your eyes and imagine that I handed you an orange Mm -hmm. and then smell that orange and imagine peeling that orange Mm -hmm. and it maybe squirts in your eye and then you're starting to bite into that orange Mm -hmm. and all the juiciness and as I'm telling you this are you starting to salivate a little bit? I am I love this I love oranges yeah and maybe even having a little bit of a pucker at the back of it yeah feel that back here. Yeah. All that's happening from me describing it to you. Mm-hmm. There's not even an orange in this room right <laughs> now. That's all psychological, which is something else we'll talk about too, is the mental state of digestion. But just this, just imagining the sensory component mm-hmm. is part of digesting food and making sure that all that digestion we talked about earlier is actually happening. Mm. Um, so actually, as it turns out, 50 to 70% of our digestive enzymes are produced in this first cephalic phase. Really? So if we bypass that by not cooking and not being in tune one-on-one with our foods and having to see the food and touch the food and smell the food, 
we're really getting in the way of our digestive process, which can, leads to disease. Oh, wow. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. So I just, I, that's a huge reason why I'm a, a big proponent of cooking, because if you're, just think of sauteing garlic and onion. And I love that too. It's true. I mean, I know when I do mm-hmm. um, and the family comes home, they're like, oh, what's for dinner? And it's, and it is, and it excites the, the palate. Exactly. Know? That's all you yeah. have to do. And suddenly people come running. My husband will run down the stairs. What are you making? It's just onion and garlic and right yeah, now. Right? That's it. it. Yeah. So if you, if you take that away and you do things like going through a drive-thru, you had no part of that preparation process. In fact, if you did, you probably wouldn't, wouldn't be want to super <laughs> interested in you it. You don't want to know what happened. Right, and then it's yeah. served to you, and it's wrapped up in paper, and it doesn't actually look super appetizing, if you were to be honest with yourself. Right. And if you were to come to my house for a dinner party, and I served you something wrapped in paper, you're yeah. like, I'm never coming back to this girl's <laughs> house ever again. Um, so the, all, all that connection is really important. So when we go through the drive-thru, we basically get rid of half of our digestive process. So we, we want to be in the kitchen just connecting to the food and being there and touching and smelling. And, and smelling and yeah. being a part of that. Yeah. What about um, any pastas that are good for us or anything? Sure. Yeah. Actually, what's really cool now is you can get legume-based pastas. So Hmm. chickpea pasta, pea pasta, edamame pasta, black bean pasta. You can get all these pastas that basically they dehydrate the bean or the legume and then they turn that into flour Hmm. and then that makes pasta. So now you get three times as much fiber, two to three times as much protein in your pasta as you did from the whole wheat. Really? So now that's a really nourishing pasta and they just, they all taste a little different. Mm -hmm. I find that like the edamame pastas are better for Asian food dishes like stir fries and like chickpea pastas kind of are sturdier. So they're better for tomatoes sauce, but so it takes a little play. Yeah. Um, and they do cook fast. So if you do do it at home, it's like four minutes where they turn to mush. But that's a fun one. Oh, that's yeah. awesome! And so, um, t- so you put some recipes on your. You have a, you have social media. Yes. So tell me a little bit about that because I'm going to be I'll be stalking your oh, social. Oh good. Media. <laughs> I hope so. You're like goodness, get off of my social. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, I love it. I love when people are interacting on it. So I'm on Instagram at um, at rd megan. So for registered dietitian, Megan M E G A N. Um, and I just post food. And it started. I started doing this maybe two or three years ago just to show people what I was eating hmm. because that's always people's question. Is, oh, you're a dietitian, what do you eat? So I just started posting my dinners. And then that sort of turned into, oh, I'll post my breakfast and my snacks. And then I started food experimenting. So all that's on that page is food ideas. Mm. And it's not, I wouldn't say it's your typical Instagram foodie page. They're not like gorgeous pictures with these complicated recipes. It's pretty much there's a quick shot of what I had for dinner before I ate it, or sometimes halfway through eating it because I forgot. And I always put a little bit about what is was involved in that process and it's fun but it's real yes and that's what I love about it and yes. you are a dietitian and you're you know you're living how you work mm-hmm. and you work how you live and you look at you I mean you're yeah. gorgeous oh, and you. you know I mean it's so I love the fact that it's real and yeah. um so I that's great uh, we get a view into your world absolutely uh, so uh yeah I will I'll be checking that out <laughs> uh so um uh, we're going to take a quick break. So there's a lot more. This is so interesting. Again, uh, our interviews with registered dietitian Megan Rowe, and we're talking about how real food and cooking affect our physical and mental health. We'll be right back. Looking for healthier snack options? Mother's Market sources organic and non-GMO small batch, high quality, great tasting nuts, dried fruits, snacks, and candy. The goal? To provide you the highest in quality snacks while also offering high nutritional value. 
Fan favorites include non-GMO peanut butter pretzel bites, organic dried mango slices, and organic dark chocolate peanut clusters. Stop into your local Mother's Market today to explore all the varieties and pick some up to try for yourself. Let's talk menstruation, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. These shouldn't be taboo topics. They're the normal life phases we move through as women. And Solaray delivers support every step of the way with her life stages. The first of its kind comprehensive new supplement line offers doctor formulated solutions at each stage with clinically backed ingredients you can count on. Own the stage. Buy Solaray at Mother's Market today. And welcome back to the Mother's Market Radio Show. And we want to remind you that if you've missed any portion of today's show, you can find us on iTunes by searching Mother's Market or download the show from our website, mothersmarket.com. Click the link for radio and listen to the past shows. Plus, download our healthy recipes and money savings coupons, all available at mothersmarket.com. And now back to our interview with registered dietitian Megan Rowe. And we're talking about how real food and cooking affect our physical and mental health. And so, Megan, we were just talking about the phases of digestion and how important that is. Um, So clearly, cooking is an important piece of digestion. But also, I heard you mention calm and emotional states uh, multiple times. So how do our emotions play a role in this digestive process? Yeah, so it's it's really interesting because that whole cephalic phase I just talked about is actually can't be triggered unless we're in what we call rest and digest mode. Hmm. So there's, I'm sure you've heard, you know, the analogies of running away from a tiger and it gets you all stressed out and your cortisol goes high. That that ability to get really stressed out can is we get that way with anything. So even though we're not running away from a tiger, if we have a deadline, if we are the phone's ringing and the kids are yelling, that's a stressor. And when that when we're in that state of stress, we will we will not go into cephalic phase, or at least not as much. So even if you do have onions and garlic cooking and you love the smell, if you're really stressed out, you're not connecting mindfully to that food, so you won't produce nearly as much of those enzymes. So you, we need to get to a state of calm, happiness um, when we are cooking and when we are preparing the food and when we are eating the food. Um, and that can go the other way too, in that cooking, if it create if it becomes a really calm and wonderful and peaceful and happy time that can get you to a state of less anxiety um, so that you are able to to not to digest better so um, an example of that is when you know if you were someone who maybe had donuts with your dad every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward 30 years and we're adults and now I'm stressed out and oh my gosh, I'm always craving a donut and I, mm-hmm. that just makes me feel better. Well, if we can have that same positive memory association around cooking and preparing food and being in the kitchen, then you start to almost crave that. That's in fact, I was just going to ask you about that because I remember um, when I was uh, uh, my first boyfriend is <laughs> Italian, but big Italian. tell your husband. I know, right? But the big Italian family, there were always people yeah. around, and every Sunday they had family members mm-hmm. around, and it was, you know, the big fat of pasta. Mm-hmm. But there was, it was a family event, and I just remember happiness, you know, laughing, and yes. and it was, and it was an event, and cooking. It was always everybody around the kitchen, and I just, I loved that. That was yeah. a good memory. Um, and, you know, I just, I would love to recreate that, you know, just mm-hmm. everybody gathered around the kitchen. Um, anyway, I, so that, 
I, you kind of you just kind of touched about that the emotions of cooking. Yeah, there can be so much positive emotion, and I think if you aren't used to cooking, mm-hmm. then it's only a stressful emotion. It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I have to cook something now. I have to I have to make you real food. Make says I have to do this. Yes, yeah, yeah. And it, it can be really stressful. But if you just envelop the fun of that and include other people, like you said, the big family event. Mm-hmm. I, I have an Italian friend too, and it's the same thing. It's just fun even if you have no idea what you're doing I we were making gnocchi with that family one time and I was like I, I literally have no clue how to make gnocchi and I'm watching the grandma and she's speaking to me in Italian Aww. but it was just so fun that there was no stress involved in that and even if we completely messed up that it would have been fine too and so I think in your own homes what I talk to clients about is being okay with it potentially not working yeah, as well and that's so a good point. yeah we come up with with backup plans or okay if this doesn't taste good what are you going to do with it what are, what sauce are we going to slather on it or what's right. the next plan just so that it's fun and we take the stress away because the more you're in there the more comfortable you are the, the happier it becomes it's true and making it a family event and just yeah. one other quick little story we were in sweden over the um past summer my my daughter was in a soccer tournament and um my my husband has cousins there and they were teaching us how to make authentic swedish meatballs mm-hmm. and i was like oh my gosh we got to take this back to the states but we have yet really tried to recreate that but my backup plan is to go to Ikea and get some <laughs> I love it so you have a backup plan <laughs> exactly have so. you seen the uh, the Netflix movie that sugar salt acid heat no um, or sugar wait I'm mean, salt salt fat acid heat it's um, she's a chef and she travels around the world and it's a four part Netflix series become very oh. popular. She also has a book, um, I think it's Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, and each piece is these important pieces of cooking. And we were watching the Netflix series, my husband and I, and on the very last one, she is learning how to make this dish from her culture. She's Iranian and she's with her mom in that one, and they're they're kind of bickering, but at the same time having this really lovely moment. And she's teaching her daughter, who's this professional chef, how to make this dish that she had no idea how to make. And my husband turns to me and he goes, that's what your clients are missing. They're mm-hmm. missing that connection with family and being taught mm-hmm. to cook by someone who's trustworthy and that they love. And it's like, oh, that's so true. So that's it another is. good one to watch. And it is. And it's, again, yeah. connecting with, mm-hmm. you know, disconnecting a phone or disconnecting mm-hmm. from everything and being in a kitchen surrounded by family and emotions yes. of, you know, getting back to it. So that's really a good point. Um, there's so many people who don't like cooking, me, well, <laughs> or don't feel comfortable in the kitchen, but do you have tips on things that we can all do to start cooking in an easy and less intimidating way? Yeah. So first of all, those, those just single item meals, like I talked about with the slaw and the chicken, it doesn't have to be those Instagram worthy masterpieces. You know, those are great and they're lovely, but honestly, I think sometimes those, those are really intimidating. It is. It is. So you're like, I, I can't make that. I've never made that ever in my life. I didn't grow up cooking. So start with really simple stuff. Start with, okay, you know, three ingredient meals, use sauces, hmm. use your condiments because you can have chicken and broccoli every night, Monday through Friday. And if one time you use pesto and another time you have a tomato sauce and another time you have a chimichurri, it's a very different meal. Mm. And that's very, that builds a lot of self-confidence when you can make something taste really good that was very simple. So I heavily rely on sauces. That's one of the first things I I really walk people through in grocery stores, what sauces or even pre-made ones, if you have to start there, which ones are good to look for on a label. Mm -hmm. And then if you really like that sauce, you can home make that sauce. Um, So rely heavy on the sauces and then rely on things that smell really good so (laughs) onion and garlic and olive oil get that going and then you just toss in a can of beans and have a salad on the side but you at least have that 
anticipation of cooking so that you're kind of ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um, my other favorite smelly, yummy thing is broth. Have mm. broth cooking, whether it's a veggie broth or a bone broth. If, if that's going in your crock pot for 24 hours, you, you wake up wanting to eat. You wake up not wanting to go to McDonald's. You want a cup of broth. Um, so that's a great one. And then simmered apples. Oh, so you can, yum. Yep. Yeah. See, I didn't yeah. even have to describe it. Yeah. You just um, It's so yummy having cinnamon, nutmeg, and some apples either in the oven or on the stove. And it just, that's dessert mm-hmm. automatically. It smells so good that you, you kind of ha- can't help but love it. Right. So those are kind of my top three. Make things smell really, really great lean on the sauces and then get, get stuff pre-chopped if you need to, if you, you don't have to home make from scratch everything, just put the things together in your kitchen. So don't be afraid of buying, you know, the pre-chopped vegetables and the canned beans that are not the ultra processed food, but just the somewhat processed food that makes it a little bit easier to handle. And that, that can be really, really good for a non-cook. Um, while you say that, um, are there any things like in the canned beans, any ingredients that uh, we should be looking out for? You for should the be, ultra that's a good question. You should be looking for just the food. Okay. So anything that's canned or boxed, what is that thing supposed to be? If it's supposed to be a can of chickpeas, it should just say chickpeas on the ingredients. Maybe salt. I'm okay with that too, usually because salt is going to be in things for a preservative. But it shouldn't have this list of other stuff. Nut butters. That's a big one. Um, like if you're looking at almond butter and you think if I were to make this at home, what is it supposed to be? It's supposed to be creamed up almonds. So if I look in the ingredient list, I should just see almonds. I shouldn't see sugars mm-hmm. and uh, different types of oils. There's no need for that. It should just be almonds. So. That more than looking at what to avoid, I look at what should actually be in there. Okay, so, right, just what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hear you have a teaching kitchen. I yes. might be up there <laughs> pounding on the Please door. Do. Open, Megan. <laughs> uh, what do you do there? And um, you also are in the wellness center. And so how can you help people to start building confidence and skills with that real food kitchen? Mm-hmm. I'm so excited about this new program that we have. I've been pushing for it for years, and so we finally have it. <laughs> and it's, it's really just a small little kitchen within our wellness center, but we have a above mirror so you can sit in the back and still see what I'm doing. Oh, and great. the whole idea is it's a demo kitchen. So we run our classes, they're not as hands-on as they are sit and watch, Um, but there's always a theme around whatever my class is. So this month we're doing energy boosting foods, and I usually make three to five recipes depending on how complex they are, and you watch me do them, and then you get to taste them. So you're a part of that cooking process. You're smelling it, you're seeing it, you're hearing it happen, and you're seeing how simple it is because our classes are only an hour, Mm. and I make three to five recipes in an hour, and you get to taste them, and I'm going slower than you would if you you're in your own kitchen because I'm explaining mm-hmm. how we're doing things. So I believe that that is the most impactful for people is seeing, wow, that was really easy. That was really delicious. I, everyone who comes to my classes will email me later and say, oh, I made that this week and my husband loved it. So that's the idea there. Um, and we also do one-on-one. So if you were wanting to see me instead of coming to my office, we could go in and actually cook together one-on-one in the teaching kitchen. So that's another oh, way we can use it. That's great. Yeah. I love that. And so, yeah, you, um, yeah, I might come up and put an apron on and say, All I would right, love it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You need your own little show. <laughs> that, that could be another thing it is going, be. going on, on media. Yeah. It's trying yeah. to record. Chef Megan. <laughs> well, I think this has been fascinating. Um, is there anything else that you would like to say that I haven't asked you about at all? I don't think so. Just, I guess, practice, get in the kitchen and just do it. Yeah. And if you have something in mind that you're looking to prepare and you're kind of like, I want to do 
pasta, for instance, mm-hmm. reach out to people you know that have made other pastas or ask your grocery store people or reach out to me, you know, follow me on Instagram because usually there's a way to make whatever meal you're looking for in a healthful way and there's usually an easy way to do it too. And um, and when, like you were talking about those probiotics and things, is there a certain amount during a course of a day that we should have, you know, like fruits, veggies, this Oh, that's a really good question. Yeah. Um, it it really depends on the person, but I would say baseline, you want to make sure you have five cups of vegetables a day, um, being, and not, not your starchy vegetables, that being your crunchy ones, like leafy greens and cucumbers, um, things that you're having to chew and digest because those are going to give you the food for your probiotics. So five cups of veggies a day, one to three cups of, of fruit a day. So that could be just one to three types of fruit. Um, and then you want to make sure instead of over the day, how much you're getting, but at every meal, make sure you're getting a little bit of fat and a little bit of protein. Mm -hmm. And that should be just consistently at every meal and your carbs should be from plants. Mm. Okay. Again, I have to work on that. (laughs) (laughs) Slowly, slowly, little baby steps. That's all. uh, Suddenly it just starts clicking. Yeah. Well, this has been very interesting. And um, yeah, thank you for your time. And I'm going to, again, start looking at your Instagram. But you also can be found at stjudewellnesscenter.org, right? Yes. That's where you can find me at, at, uh, at the Wellness Center. The Wellness Center in the kitchen as well. Some great advice. And we really appreciate your knowledge. And we look forward to having you on again. Thank you so much, Megan. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Mother's Market podcast and for shopping at Mother's Market. The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition.